Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus in President Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. Here we go, straight out of Vegas. Steve Cofield, RJ Bell. And guys... We got tons of NBA action to recap. Not just a typical recap, not straight out of Vegas. We're going to tell you where the scores are deceiving, which means opportunities financially the next game. And we got two wise guys with us in their wise guy chair Steve Fezzik and Mr. Brad Powers. Showtime! Woo! So we got to figure out what's going on with the Jazz. Over the thunder right now, one fifteen, one hundred two, and it's I really think the, things. I think there's good things going on with the Jazz, right? Right. With the Thunder, they lose by thirteen, one fifteen, one hundred two. We got some health issues to discuss. We've also got outstanding play on the Jazz side to discuss, which I'm starting to think Donovan Mitchell and maybe Ricky Rubio are being overlooked a little bit by OKC. So where are you guys on the series? Because the Jazz now have a two one lead. They got another game at home coming up. So first off, when you say overlooked. By OKC, you mean in the defensive scheme? I think it's a team of superstars that is not respecting the Jazz. Donovan Mitchell has 77 points. You could argue he's the best player in the series. He's a rookie. He was the number one scoring rookie in the NBA. And I'm not sure that this trio of superstars took this team seriously enough. Fezzik, when we previewed this series last week, we talked about how there was a demarcator point demarcation point during the season 
when a key player came back for the Jazz, and from that point onward, an amazing record, like a one of the best teams in the NBA level record. Give us those details. Yeah, Rudy Gobert, seven foot two, big man. Since he came back, the Jazz were twenty eight and six straight up. He's a likely candidate for Defensive Player of the Year. Usually important. Jazz have been much better with him. So give me those wins and losses again. Twenty eight and six. Twenty eight and six entering the playoffs. Yes. So now we got thirty and seven, not just arbitrarily thirty and seven, which would be impressive. If you said last thirty seven games. 30 and 7, who's going to complain? All right. But we're talking about, okay, key cog comes back, a cog that perhaps the Vegas market, perhaps the casual NBA fan doesn't value sufficiently, and they've been overperforming. We saw that in these three games so far. So my question is how much of this is Utah being better than people think? And how much of this is OKC underperforming? So let's identify with a spotlight like we just have. And any closing thoughts? Utah is better than people think. So, Fez, right now, this team, you do your power ratings up at pregame.com every week. What day do you put up your fresh NBA numbers? On Tuesdays. Every Tuesday, you rank them 1 to 30. Obviously, 16 well, I guess we've got, what, 15 teams left, right? Is But sometimes they're, in theory, at least in the NFL, there's teams. That's an interesting question, not to get off on a side, but 30 seconds. Was the ninth best team in the West better than how many teams in the East? So the team that didn't make the playoffs, the best team in the West that didn't, were they better than some of those lesser East teams? They were right on par. Denver missed the playoffs, and they were right there with the Miami Heat. That Okay. So in those rankings right now, where's Utah? Utah is sixth, right, tied with sixth with the New Orleans Pelicans. Boy, so how much have you, and we're going to get to the Pelicans. And oh, by the way, with the Pelicans, it is the, I think, the 35th anniversary of the, the movie Scarface, Al Pacino. And is it a coincidence, and I'm just posing it out there coast to coast right here on Fox, is it a coincidence that the famous scene where he's in the hot tub with the remote controls, Pacino, and he sees the Pelican, and he says, oh, look at the Pelican, fly Pelican, and lo and behold, the Pelican sweep. I mean, we can say that's a coincidence. I don't think it is. (laughs) But we'll talk about that Pelican's upgrade in a moment. So Utah tied for six. Who's the five teams better? Houston, Golden State. Yeah, and then, and then in the East, of course, we, we still have the Cleveland Cavaliers slightly better, but they drop it seemingly every game. And then the top two, my top two teams in the East, RJ, Toronto and Philadelphia. So let me ask a devil's advocate level question, though. Part of me feels, I don't ask those devil advocate questions unless at least part of me thinks it's a valid question. Who, how many teams have been better than 30 and 7? Last 37. Utah, 30-7. and seven. If this is the true level of this team, how can the Cavs be better? Well, it's a leap of faith that they're a much better playoff team. We haven't but, seen it yet. Okay, so so really you're saying there's some magic like there's some magic going on. Well, I can't ignore the magic that they had the six years prior to this year. Who's they? The Cleveland Cavaliers. Really? The Cavs have been great for six years? And the playoffs they have. Really? Hmm. So this is LeBron's fourth year. 
So I'm confused. Oh, fair, fair enough. LeBron, <laughs> uh, sorry. LeBron has been great for seven years and all the way throughout his career in the playoffs. We talked about this last night. Let me ask you the question. Is, is this clearly the worst supporting cast for LeBron James, let's say, since he left Cleveland the first time? So four years in Miami. This is the fourth year back in Cleveland. So eight years, eight seasons. Is this clearly the worst? Oh, I think so. Absolutely. Even worse than that Della Vadova starting uh, team that got racked with injuries. i got to be honest, Steve. Let me ask you, because you are in the square chair, and which means you're supposed to be a sports guy and obviously a very good host of a radio show, but a sports guy. And you worked in sports books for about five years, but you don't claim to be an expert. When you hear Fezzik say one of the most famous batters, sports batters in the world. Fezzik's the number one gambler right now. Even Bill Simmons thinks so. Is the idea of saying, oh yeah, Utah's 30 and 7. Cavs in that time, in those 37 games, what are they, like uh, 20 and 17? I'm just guessing, but probably in that range, right? No, they, no, they were better than that. They, really? they went on a nice run. They right, how's this sound? During the commercial break, here coming up in about five minutes, you can pull that up and, and tell me how the Cavs have done the last 37. I'm guessing it's not much better than 20 and 17. But let's let's say you're right and say 25 and 12, right? So the question is, again, I don't get it. Why wouldn't LeBron? The only thing that's different about the playoffs, and correct me if I'm wrong, because it's not like this is a new sport. I've never seen in the NFL. Do you ever tell me, oh, yeah, this team was nine and seven. They slipped in. But, you know, now it's the playoffs. I think they're going to be much better. Do you ever say that in the NFL? Almost never. Okay. So the on- correct me if I'm wrong. The only thing about the NBA regular season playoffs that's so different is the regular season in the NBA has questionable effort level night in and night out. Is, is that it? That is it. Okay. So do you think that LeBron's waiting to, to, to somehow, or the rest of the Cavs are waiting to start trying in this series? No, they should have been. St- I, I'm not asking what they should have been. I'm asking, do you believe that LeBron and the Cavs have played hard these three games? Absolutely. Okay. So now that you're seeing the way they've played these three games feels very similar to the way they played since that big trade that you love so much. So, Cofield, by the way, last night walked back and said, listen, I'm not fighting you anymore. That wasn't a good trade. Are you ready to do that, or are you still going to fight it? I'm still going to fight oh, it. Oh, that's a big shot. Wow. That's a big shot. <laughs> well, he is right now. Well, why don't, you, why don't you explain? Because their performance in the playoffs has not been similar to the regular season. The regular season problem was no defensive intensity. They're ranked 29th in the league in defense. Their defense has been good in the playoffs. Their offense has been the problem. The supporting cast just is not making their shots. That music doesn't like make your points any less valid, does it? <laughs> I mean, it does to me emotionally, but... It, it probably just... questions my credibility slightly. <laughs> Brad, by the way, you got the number? 22 and 15. 22 and 15. Yeah, they were much better than 20 and 17. I'm joking. He's like smiling like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, so that's interesting, though. Let's examine this. 
Because if you're right, which this could be hope for the Cavs, is regular season, eh, they, you know, they, they're all getting paid 100, you know, you added up 100 plus million, but they decide not to play hard. Okay. But now that it's the playoffs, they're starting to play hard. That's you're seeing it on defense. But somehow, some way, the offense isn't as good. Now, could that be fatigue? Is that just these guys aren't in shape at the level they can play hard on both sides, uh, or not both sides, but both offensively and defensively? Is it a matter of they've been unlucky with their shooting? So if I simply said, why, in, from what you've seen in these three games, what's been the problem with the Cavs' offense? Not certain. But I think it's lack of experience. All these new pieces that they brought in, RJ, they a lot of these guys don't have the playoff experience, and I think that's the problem. Okay, so which is something I can't remember huh. exactly. Brad, do you remember? I remember me I talking believe, about this during yes. that. I said your trade. It, it's the and this is actually something. I think it was on PTI the boys were talking about, or the gentlemen will say is. <laughs> not necessarily the boys, is they were talking about how you've got this horrible dichotomy with the Cavs. They're old. This is a fairly old team, and they're inexperienced in the playoffs. It's the worst of both worlds. So you're saying that, what, they just feel nervous? Like they're they're nervous with the bright, bright lights? I think it's an absolute possibility. Here's my last question about this Cavs team is – how much of this belief that they're playing better on defense is about just the score as opposed to the Pacers and the fact the Pacers are not a great offensive team? Are we just looking at the scores kind of saying, are, you know, oh, it seems like the Cavs are playing some decent D? Or is it a matter of have you dug deep enough to look at efficiency and some of the advanced saver metrics. The advanced saver metrics say their defense is good. They're holding in the, these three games. Yeah, they're holding the Pacers consistently right in the nineties, which if you had told me before these series started that Cleveland was going to hold the Pacers three times to ninety scoring, you'd say, Oh, Cleveland's in great shape here, but they're not. Surprising day today. Around the NBA, OKC loses. Now they're down two one. We'll get to the Rockets. Gigantic favorite. Look like a sweep. Uh, now that's a 2-1 series that's coming up next straight into Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Rolling on straight out of Vegas, brought to you by Granger, the products and services you need when you need them. Granger's got your back. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Straight out of Vegas, Steve Cofield, RJ Bell, our wise guys. Well, Fezzik is in right now on the NBA, and we got into the conversation of preconceived notions coming into the playoffs. The assumption is, hey, the Cavs are going to be the Cavs because it's LeBron. I think on the flip side, people look at the Jazz and they're like, eh, fluke. But when you start looking at the numbers, the Jazz are a good team. They just took out OKC by 13 tonight, creamed them down the stretch, and Donovan Mitchell is as good as anyone in this series, and who would say that before the series? So we need to dive a little deeper into what's going on around the NBA, especially with the Cavaliers. Yeah, so I agree. So I think we what we do is wrap up the Cavs talk and then jump to the OKC talk, which is the, obviously the other side of the coin with Utah. Here's what I say about the Cavs. There's only two broad ways to think about them. One is a la um, the NFL perspective with um, Bill Parcells, which is you are what your record says you are. And if that's the case, 
the Cavs are slightly above average, you know, a little bit more than slightly, I guess. Or, or maybe the way to say it is they're a slightly above average playoff team. I think that's what the numbers say. That That's not, you know, there's six or seven slightly above average playoff teams, right? And that might be a little generous numbers-wise. If you think that, you should be fading the Cavs every game, pretty much, because they're going to be overpriced. And yet, they're not being faded because the line opened up at one and a half. Pacers, and now it's a pick for the game on Sunday between the Cavs and the Pacers. Because this feels like a borderline, it's not a must win, but it's a high-stakes game, no doubt about it. And all playoff games, to some degree, are high-stakes, but certain games matter more, which I think is a very condemning point for the Cavs. Think about it. We said it right here. LeBron, for the first time in over a decade, was worse than a three-seed entering the playoffs. You would think it was statement game. Game one. The fact they got dominated in that game, we could call it shooting or whatever, bad shooting for the Cavs. But either way, I think it's hard to question the Cavs' motivation in game one. Loser. Game two, we saw it was one of those Herculean LeBron games. And it was a game for the ages. I mean, how many guys, is anyone else in the NBA able to put up that game? So as much as we can be critical of the Cavs as a team, as we talked about last night, some people say this was LeBron's best regular season. Now we can debate it. Was it his first, second, third, fourth best regular season? The fact at this age that it was one of his best, kudos, hat tip, helps him go up the list of the all-time greats. No doubt about it. But it was a max effort in game two and they bar- at home. And they barely won the Cavs. Barely. Now, in game three, you know they don't want to go down 2-1. So they were motivated again. There hasn't been one spot that you in these three games, and it won't be in game four, there hasn't been one spot that you would say, well, you know, it makes sense. The Cavs are a little lax. Right, because LeBron's the type that you know he'll be a little lax even in a playoff game if he feels like it's best for the ebb and flow of him trying to win. Ultimately, sixteen playoff games, four times four. So, Fez, would you agree with me that in these three games there hasn't been a single game where you could say, "Well, the Cavs' performance is about a lack of effort." I think they've had full effort all three games. I think you're correct that LeBron's played hard all three games, and in Game Two. It was a Herculean effort when they were down 0-1 in the series. I expect that Herculean effort game four. So if you're down, if you're down one two, and you've tried every game up to this point, then isn't about effort, right? So I'll tell you this: LeBron with a Herculean effort that scares me if I'm betting against him because he is still one of, if not the best player on the planet. But the question becomes. How many Herculean efforts in round one at his advanced age, obviously relative to last year, can you expect? And why? Why? Why make the effort night after night after night if you look around and you're like, we can't win this? Right? I mean, and let's not forget. At some point, you wonder if LeBron is going to look to his future and just go, what's the point? LeBron led the NBA in minutes played per game at 37. So we got to start wondering. How much gas is it going to have left in the tank, not just in this series, but if they do survive going forward? 
Well, not only do we have to wonder, I think LeBron has to wonder. And then you add in, and Kofi, a great point, because it dovetails into my, we'll call it hot take, which is that at a certain point, if, and I'm going to say if, capital I, capital F, if LeBron feels like I can't, we can't win it, does he maybe rather go out in round one? I'm not saying he's not going to try. He's not going to tank. He's not going to not try. But does he maybe not do that next level effort, that Herculean effort that we've been talking about? Because if, again, he's on the way out in Cleveland, and I think most people believe that's more likely than not, LeBron won't be in Cleveland next year, wouldn't he have cover leaving Cleveland if the team that was put together around him was so bad, if he has a good series, which so far you would have to say net-net, LeBron hasn't been the problem. If he has a good series and they get beat in the first round, that seems like the best excuse in the world for the Cavs or for LeBron to leave the Cavs. What do you think, Cofield? Yeah, I don't think haters will give him a pass because they're always going to be yeah. haters, but I think others who are on the fence about LeBron and kind of go back and forth, they're going to look at this team and go, this team sucks. Like, I'm not going to blame LeBron for you losing the first You can blame LeBron the GM, right. but, that's, but that's a whole different conversation. So to me, I think if it does, let's say, go 3-1, and you would think, okay, here comes another Herculean effort in Game <laughs> 5, I might look at the Pacers on the money line, thinking there's a chance it could be one of those Kobe games, right? Passing the ball a bunch to make a statement. One of those, um, quite frankly, LeBron games, when he was in Cleveland, it was his last game in Cleveland, right? Rumors about his mom against the Celtics, if I recall. I mean, wouldn't shock us, would it? And 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 I don't remember that series particularly well, but that Mavs series where they lost in the finals, wasn't LeBron acting funny the la- the elimination game? I don't remember that. I don't. Okay, so but then, that, that was not a great Mavs team. Does anyone, let's pull back on that one then, because and we'll look it up Um Brad, why don't you look at the game recap of that elimination game against the Mavs? Because if I recall, it was he was, you know, the the press reports were, oh, he wasn't, you know, as involved in the offense as he did. He was passive, I guess would be my recollection. So, again, I want to be clear. I'm not saying LeBron's not going to try. I'm saying there's trying, and then there's trying, trying. And I question that. So let's go back to the West. We like to... Figure out what's actionable. So would you rather... Cofield, you're the host, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, so I'm going to let you decide. Would you rather us preview and look ahead to the Cavs? It seems like we've had so much Cavs talk, we're in a prime spot to look at the next game. We can look at it. All right, so what do you you guys think about? Give us the line again. So now it's a pick. It opened a one and a half Pacers at home, up 2-1. Now it's a pick. So I would assume all the money... It's the way it works, right? Yep. Has been on the Cavs side to get it to a or yeah, to get it to a pick. And remember, guys, you can go to pregame.com and in our game center, it's the only place on the internet you can get free cash splits. Meaning you can look right now and say what percentage of the tickets, the bets, have been on Cleveland and Indiana, and what percentage of the cash. Only place it's free anywhere on the internet. So Fez. To me, my handicap, I'm not betting the Cavs in any spot. But I do think you're looking at a Herculean effort from LeBron because they're still in this series, right? I think at 3-1, they're still in it, but you might start questioning that. And I don't want to bet against that 
but I also don't want to bet on the Cavs. So for me, it's a pass. Thoughts? Yeah, I think the best bet might be to just take LeBron to go over his total points. It'll, it'll be likely 31. He scored 44 in Game 2 in a very similar situation. I think it was 44, mid-40s. He only got 28 in Game 3 when he facilitated. He went 4 for 7 from 3 in Game 3. He passed the ball a lot. His supporting cast, 6 for 25. It's time for LeBron to shoot the rock. That says a lot, doesn't it? You're not willing to play a side? In, in a game that'll put him down three. I'm just saying it says a lot that he does not believe that this team can win backs against the wall. You do believe that LeBron can have a big game, but that the team can't back him up and win the freaking game. Well, I think it's a situation, too, that you've got to respect LeBron in these spots. I do, for sure. And I think most thinking people do. Right? It's kind of like the old uh, outlaw Josie Wales, where... Uh, Great movie, by the way. Clint Eastwood. So he's the best gunfighter around. And they got a bounty on his head. And a gunfighter walks in. And he says, uh, <laughs> he's looking to kind of fight him. And he looks and kind of walks away. And he says, I'm not going to do this. And he comes back and he says, you know, because I got to do it. He said, all right. He goes, I understand. And boom, he shoots him like that the next <laughs> second. It's like LeBron has, I mean, we can debate the finals. But is there been a guy, I mean, you know, that's an interesting way to think about it. We can debate is Durant better. We can debate is Harden better. But if you say Durant's going to play the hardest game he can, meaning Thrilla in Manila, Muhammad Ali, you know, on a IV after the fight kind of effort. If LeBron's going to make that effort in a must-win game today, not in his prime, today, if he's not in his prime, and Duran is and Harden is, who seem to be the three people talk about, right? Does anyone even blink or even consider saying, well, I'm more scared of Durant or I'm more scared of Harden? <laughs> I mean, do you this even... Is, this, do you is even a, this is a good hot talk topic. I, I mean, do you even consider that? So Maybe Durant. Maybe really? Durant. Maybe Durant. Really? You're yeah. scared of Durant. He's going to shoot a lot of threes. On this team? Absolutely. Well, yeah. Oh, but, can, but, can Durant get the ball to the basket anytime he wants and be unstoppable? Absolutely. Well, then why do they ever lose a game? Well, that's a ridiculous premise. No, I mean, when you say unstoppable, it means you can't stop well, uh, him. LeBron's unstoppable, too. Is, they, uh, what, is LeBron unstoppable? No. For the most part, I don't think is. any player in the, the history of the NBA is unstoppable. I mean, so maybe, the issue is with maybe the word Shaq was. Well, yeah, okay. yeah. All right. I mean, well, you used the word. Right. What did you <laughs> Virtually unstoppable. Okay. Well, I don't know. I mean, obviously, there's no one in the history of the NBA who's been unstoppable. Wilt wasn't unstoppable. I would make the case that an outside shooter... His willpower means a lot less than a guy that can take it to the rack, right? Because you can't try to make a three anymore, right? So, but Fez, let me ask you. I've been kind of pointing at you trying to get an answer. Is any of these other players, would you even consider being more scared of them than LeBron? No, because I don't think Durant or Harden is ever going to play like they got an IV. They're going to need an IV sticking out of them at the end of the game. So I don't think that they're capable of that effort that LeBron is capable of. It may not be Jordan effort, but it's close. So to finish the handicap on tomorrow's game, and sometimes, listen, guys, and this is important to remember. If you're betting to win, and if you're betting for recreation, you can try to win, but you're not willing to do all the painful things it takes necessarily to max your chance to win, hey, why not do half of them? So I'm not judging, right? We love recreational batters as long as you know it's recreational. you got to know. But 
you here's a great way to think about an individual bet is is everything lined up meaning it's one of those is you don't weigh oh there's seven things over here and three over there the trick is is everything lined up and if so bet it and if there's one thing or two things that are material that are significant not lined up you pass it that's all or you put a little pizza money on it just a smidge on it and what I in in Cofield the rap is what you said is wow, is it's saying something LeBron's in a must a quasi must win, but we're not betting him. Well, in that case, it's because the market is accounting for that must win. The fact that they're you know Indiana at home, if these were even teams, would be a four point favor, right? So right now your power ratings, do you have them pretty much even, Faz? No, I still got Cleveland two points better. Really? Yep. So. <laughs> Keep going back to what we started with. Yeah, right? it just like, doesn't make someone sense. Someone needs to re-examine the but, Cavs. But, but if anything, the market is saying that it's not only... So assuming they were even teams, Pacers would be four. With Cleveland two points better, Pacers would be two. The fact where a pick is saying, even with Fez's, I think, generous rating on the Cavs, it's saying there's two points being accounted for because this is a must win. So, yes, it's a big factor, but it's a factor accounted for in the line, which means no value from my perception. We'll get to that Rockets flop on Saturday. Victim of zigzag, or is there something to worry about with Houston? But first, Steve DeSager with the latest. There was a no-hitter in the major leagues at Oakland tonight. 3 nothing. the A's beat Boston as Sean Manaya had 10 strikeouts and did not allow a hit. A Boston team, by the way, that not only had an eight-game winning streak going into tonight, but was by far the best hitting team in the majors so far and had a 17-2 and record. Top of the sixth, the Red Sox got an infield single, but the umpires met and overturned it as the batter ran out of the baseline to avoid the tag. The Dodgers beat Washington and Steven Strasburg 4-0. It was 1-0 in the seventh. Hyunjin Ryu 3-0 got the win. The Angels' Garrett Richards now 3-0 after beating San Francisco 4-3. Mike Trout had three hits in Anaheim, including his eighth home run that leads the American League. Arizona and Colorado with wins. The late game was Seattle's victory at Texas 9-7. There was about a 90-minute rain delay at the start. The Rangers eventually left 13 men on base, including bases loaded in the ninth. Atlanta scored two in the eighth, two in the ninth to beat the Mets 4-3. Milwaukee homered in the ninth to edge Miami 6-5. NASCAR win on Fox TV this evening at Richmond for Kyle Busch. NHL playoff victories for Tampa Bay, which won its first round series, eliminating New Jersey. Washington got an overtime win, now up three games to two against Columbus. Toronto stayed alive with a win at Boston. Bruins still lead the series three games to two. And finally, the four NBA playoff games. Philadelphia won 106-102 at Miami despite 26 turnovers. New Orleans swept its four-game first-round series, eliminating Portland 131-123. to Anthony Davis, 47 points. Drew Holiday with 41. Minnesota beat number one Houston 121-105. to Jimmy Butler, 28 points. Utah won the late game over Oklahoma City 115-102, Ricky Rubio a triple-double, Russell Westbrook in the loss, nine assists, eight turnovers, five of 17 shooting from the floor. Back to you. All right, Steve, thank you. A reminder for the best NFL draft coverage, you got to tune in to FSR on Thursday night. Jay Glazer, Joel Klatt, Chris Spielman, Kurt Menefee, broadcasting live from the site of the draft in Texas throughout the entire first round. Jay Glazer, the last three years, has predicted every single first-round pick. Can he do it again? 32 for 32, Thursday night, Fox Sports Radio mean? and the iHeart app beginning at 8 o'clock Eastern. You hear the very best NFL draft coverage on radio during the entire first round of the NFL draft. I'm interrupting that read 
Hey, now. Every how I, What are you talking about? I read what I'm given. <laughs> well, listen, I'm going to give the boys. <laughs> I absolutely I'm go gonna, blank yourself, San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give the boys in Burbank a little credit here, and then I'm going to ask him to explain that read. Right, we'll talk about it next segment. Oh yeah, Michael's typing out the read. Dude. Yeah, I mean, no, I'm trying to. They're understand. giving, they're giving the read. I, I well, do the read. Oh, this is like, uh, you know, <laughs> like the boss isn't here. You know, I'll sh- I, can I speak to your manager? Uh, he's not here right now. I will not question how Mr. Glazer did. On but it's draft. impossible that he knew all thirty two. Mr. Glazer, he knows what he's doing. All right, well, here's the boys in Burbank. They gave us something. LeBron, we talked about that 2011 elimination game six against the Mavs. 21 points, four rebounds, six assists. Not a bad game for the 30th best player in the league, but not a guy that's saying, you're going to have to go through me to win it. Now, LeBron has won a lot since then, and if you actually look at his series uh, points per game, he only averaged about 18, and Brad grabbed that for us. So he actually was up three points. So you could make the case... In the 2011 series against the Mavs in the finals, he was passive the whole series, including the last game. So I wouldn't say that's so much a sign of him kind of turning it off late. So the Rockets lose 121-105. They're favored on the road by six. We chalk this up as zigzag. Hey, it's just a bad spot. And you're the number one seed. What was the series number at when it finally went off? Didn't it get pushed up to... Anywhere from like minus 2,500 to minus 6,000 at some books. How are you losing a game three? Yeah, so let's, when people hear minus 6,000, I'm not exactly sure if it's obvious what that means, especially if you're not a daily batter. It means at certain books before the series started, you had to bet $60 risk, $60 to win $1, <laughs> right? So, you know, 360 wins you a Subway sandwich kind of thing. Now, it would have been, and Fez, you are better at these derivative props than me. Usually if you have a monster favor, and the question is, will they sweep or not? Usually even the monster favorites are a slight underdog to sweep, right? Yes, because let's face it, game three, they're only a five and a half point favorite. So game four, if they would have won game three, they'd be an eight and a half point favorite to get both of those about a fifth, a little more than fifty percent chance, but you got to win games one and two also. So a dog to get the sweep, and that includes a team that's forty-five and three with their big three players, forty-five and three I, going I, into this game with Capella, CP three, and Harden. First off, I, I I'm trying to understand what he his answer, <laughs> right? So, okay. so so maybe he felt like a brain surgeon. What? Why don't I just ask a question and you can answer yes or no? Am I correct in saying that if you have a monster favorite like the Rockets? If you have a prop before the series starts, will they sweep the series? They're usually a small underdog to sweep. You are correct. There we go. <laughs> there we now that that was good radio. That was good radio. But Steve, my point would be whatever the reason a team's a monster favorite, it's usually a sign that they were a mighty good team, right? So is Houston any better than some of the monster favorites historically? Well, heck no, because they're not even the favorite in their own conference. Golden State is. But I've never seen, and I mean, this is just a quick question, have you ever seen a one and two in a, in, in a conference this much above, let's say, the third best team? Never. The disparity is tremendous. But remember, the three through eight are all about the same. So we're saying, oh, they got blown out by an eight. 
Well, the eight Minnesota could easily have been. I mean, OKC could have missed the playoffs, right? One or two additional games. So I think Fez is making an interesting point. One, it's hard to sweep. Two, this eight seed is better than a typical eight seed, though you would think having about sixty to win a dollar didn't really show that, which shows the love for the Rockets. Remember, though, this was a quick opening number, but if you would have bet that series immediately. Houston was out there at minus 1,200. So, right, did you see that, Fez, right off the go? I missed it. I was disappointed. But but did you see that it was there? I, it was there. Yeah. So, I mean, think about that. The opening number, these are the best guys in the world when it comes to odds makers, said, well, bet 12 to win one, and then it was bet 60 to win one. There's a lot of Rockets love out there. So explain this game. Three-pointers and just frenzied home environment from the tables? Yeah, combination. Minnesota made nine straight threes in the second half. No matter how good you are, you can't withstand that kind of barrage. And I think the crowd got into it. This is the first playoff game in Minnesota in 14 years. Kind of a perfect storm. And we have a trend that we talked about. We talked about on our dream preview. And remember, guys, the dream preview during the football season, wildly popular. And it's a situation where we're continuing every week, Wednesday, 6 a.m. Eastern, it comes out. And we last week, we thought maybe a short show, two hours breaking down the NBA playoffs. So it's, it's like straight out of Vegas, but even a deeper dive, longer conversations. And we hear about Brad's dating life and various other things <laughs> that people are very fascinated by. And I am too, I can't lie. It's, a, it's like a morbid fascination, but I'm fascinated. And if you like those deeper dives, check it out. And we were talking about the idea of with the Rockets and are they better than the Warriors? Because if you objectively look, it's back to that Cavs. How good are the Cavs versus what's the Cavs history? And I think something, Cofield, when we come back after the break, I think it's another example we should examine is the idea of the numbers say Houston's better, but... The odds say Golden State's better. That's on the way. Straight into Vegas right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Fezzik, Brad Powers here, Steve Cofield, RJ Bell, as we're talking Western Conference. And if uh, so Cofield, Square Chair, is this one of those deals where when they have two stars? Like, typically, if it was just one star in a movie, it's like starring Brad Pitt. And then, in this analogy, I'm, I'm Brad Pitt, is starring Brad Pitt. And then it's like, and so-and-so, and so-and-so, and so-and-so. And then it's a bunch of people that they put, like, four names on per screen. But if they have two stars, no one wants to be number two. So what they'll do is say, starring Brad Pitt, blah, 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 and with Morgan Friedman or whatever. So somehow RJ went last. I felt like I gave equal billing to the three scrubs, and then I was like, and here's RJ at the end. Okay, I can deal with that. Is that worth that? Yeah, yeah. I'm just trying to understand. I mean, but that makes sense. I just tried to mix it up a little bit. By the way, we got uh, the boys in Burbank gave us the Glazer info, which makes a ton of sense. Is Glazer's been beating on his Twitter every pick in the first round before it's even said. That's how connected Glazer is right here on Fox and by the way, by the way, I met Glazer. 
And I, you know, I didn't say much because, you know, he's a, you know, he's like a UFC guy. And we were at a, an event that uh, he's on Ballers. It was a Ballers event. And we were talking for a minute or two, but he, he was drinking, not too much, but, it, you know, he at least had one. So I'm thinking, I, I'm just going to kind of say, shake hands and move on. He's a good guy. <laughs> But just saying, I have stories. I have good stories. Okay. I'll, tell, I'll tell them to you off the air. It sounds like a podcast story. Uh, yes, actually, it is. It is for Don't Bet On It. There we go, Absolutely. guys. <laughs> if you want to hear Steve Cofield's story about Glazer, it's not a bad thing. He's just follow he's, me on Twitter at RJ in Vegas. He's very, and you'll uh, get the podcast. He's very confident. We'll just say that. He's very confident. Uh, hey, hey, listen. <laughs> I would, I trade places with him. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yes. He's been very successful. Love Mr. Glazer, as I said. So I was very confident in Golden State before the playoffs. Uh, we went back and forth about this. Hey, how can Golden State, minus seven wins in the regular season, still be favored in the Western Conference over the Rockets? And now we're starting to see the betters play with me, and I'm kind of disappointed. Playing along with me. Uh, I'm kind of disappointed because now the numbers, Golden State at some books, while, uh, what, 10 days ago was plus 105 to win the Western Conference, at some books now was, are minus 140 to win the Western Conference. So let me ask you, Fez, there's two effects of the Rockets losing a game. One is you reevaluate how good the team is, potentially. And number two is it changes their chance of advancing. Now, no one here believes that they have a big chance of not advancing, right? Meaning they're 90-plus percent to advance. Would you agree? Sure, minus 6,000 still, right? Is that right? Well, they're up 2-1. to Are you really all that disappointed? compared to the beginning of the series? Yeah, because if you're minus 6,000, you're assuming there's, a like we said, almost a 50% chance you're going to sweep. Good point. Yeah, So, but still, they are far over 90%. So if we're not worried about them not advancing, how much do we really downgrade Houston? Well, I haven't downgraded them, but I am a little bit concerned every game extra you have to play, a little more wear and tear on the players could have an impact down the road. <laughs> yeah, it's one game. So far. Yeah. Well, that's we're talking today. Right. <laughs> you would think the Steph Curry injury would make people hesitate a little bit in terms of just firing relentlessly on the GSW side. And it brings up an interesting point. If we believe there was a real chance Golden State would have to play multiple series, maybe even the whole playoffs without Curry, then seeing Golden State play so well without Curry would be super meaningful. I'm not sure if this quality of play, surprising play, no one would have expected Golden State to be up 3-0 here. They were underdogs to be up 3-0, certainly at this point. So they've exceeded expectations. Is the idea that they would have uh, this well, you think, oh, that's why they're being upgraded. But Fez, I wonder, and we can talk about this when we come back at the top of the hour, I wonder if this transfers, meaning if playing this well without Curry, once Curry comes back, they play such a different game. It, I don't think it transfers. That will be answered, and we'll turn our attention to the odds on the NFL Draft. Hour 2, upcoming, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! It is another hour of straight out of Vegas. You heard it. Steve Cofield, RJ Bell. And what a first hour. What a first hour. And we're talking NFL and more NBA in our number two. We've got two wise guys with us. Mr. Steve Fezzik, an NBA originator. That means he's betting his own opinion over the world, and he makes a living at it. And 
Let's be candid. This guy, he has a mansion and a yacht. We do know that. I am Elmer J. Fudd, millionaire. I own a mansion and a yacht. So he must be good. And Brad Powers, we're going to be breaking down the SEC, which we did a little of last week. And if we got time, we'll get into the Big Ten. I'm thinking we probably do the whole segment on the SEC here coming up in a little bit. So NBA discussion about the Western Conference and the top of the Western Conference and how the odds are changing. Golden State was a slight favor coming into the playoffs. Now, there's been a gap created by betters, and Golden State is minus 140, and the Rockets are about plus 110. Is there justification for that based on what we've seen, uh, and especially when you roll in Curry not being there? I think this is a sophisticated answer, but boy, is it interesting. Golden State massively overperformed expectations so far in the three games against the Spurs. So you're thinking, okay, RJ, so they should be upgraded. Here's the thing. When Curry comes back, the things that made Golden State play better than we expected don't really matter all that much. Meaning, without Curry, Golden State had to play more half-court, a slower game. Players that replaced Curry had a great emphasis on them. And they, the whole thing, playing out of their, their typical desired speed or pace, they overperformed. Playing without Curry and having these replacement players, Golden State overperformed. Kudos. But now when Curry comes back, which is obviously a good thing for Golden State, they certainly wouldn't be favored. If we knew Curry was out for the playoffs, they would not be favored over Houston. It's not even a question. They w- wouldn't be close. Thus, we're giving them a bunch of credit, deservedly so, but I don't think that credit is applicable for when Curry comes back because they're going to be playing fast again, and those players aren't going to be playing as much. So why why the upgrade? Fez, thoughts? Because the betters and the public just, like you said, saw three straight perfect games from Golden State. So what you're saying is the public is reacting incorrectly, which means we think that right now Golden State's overpriced because of this perception these last three games. And if you do like Houston, maybe now is the time to look at them, either for the conference title or for the NBA title. Absolutely. And remember, we, we keep saying, oh, Curry's going to come back in the second round of the playoffs. The latest news is, mm, not so certain he's going to be back. So what would early. you, right now, odds, uh, give me percentage odds. Is he... Is he 90% to play in round two? I think he's 75% to play in round two. And I think he's so you only- think there's a one in four chance that Curry doesn't play a single game in round two? Yes. And the reason wow. I say that is because there's the latest reports are saying he's likely to miss the beginning of round two. Cofield, you do 15 hours of sports talk here in Vegas every week. You got your finger on the pulse of what everyone's saying. What would your guess be on Curry playing in round two? I'm not sure. Reports were midweek. Curry's out three more weeks. Then Curry came back the next day, and he's like, no, no, no. That's not true. So what is it? Is Curry trying to bandage this up a little bit? Or is it really three weeks? I tell you this. Three weeks, he ain't playing a whole lot in that next series. Mm, That's a good point. Uh, And and how then could the – think about this. Let's just say two factors have changed since the start of the playoffs. One is Golden State's played better than expected without Curry, but still far, far weaker team without Curry. No one debates that. And on the other hand, the other change 
is that Golden State's expectation of having Curry back in the second round went from, what, 95% to now we're saying 75 If I weigh those two, that increased chance, not only Curry's going to miss round two, but he might be hobbled even more than we thought when he comes back. That seems bigger than any incremental exceeding of expectation that Golden State's done for three games against, quite frankly, a very discombobulated Spurs team. RJ, you nailed the most important uh, parameter in all this. It's not, is he coming back? We expect him back against Houston. It's whether he's going to be hobbled, can't go to his left like he was in previously in the playoffs where he was. So the year before when they lost to, to the Cavs, Cavs came back from 3-1. After we heard, oh, Curry was only 80%. It's like, okay, this feels like a very similar situation. I'm going to come over the top on this. Uh Uh-oh. Because I think, taking Curry out of it, I think GSW will be more rested as a team in general going to the finals, the Western Conference finals, than Houston. My case here is, this is going to sound strange, the Pelicans just swept the Blazers. I think the Blazers would have given a tougher time to Golden State in the next round. I think the Pelicans are an easier matchup for Golden State. Wow. I think Anthony Davis... They, wow. they are wow. they are a one prong attack, right? It's Anthony Davis. He's not Anthony Davis is not putting up forty seven points in a game. He ain't averaging thirty a game against Draymond Green. That ain't gonna happen. And then the other effective weapon, you saw forty one from Drew Holiday. Good luck against Clay Thompson. That ain't happening. We got a shooter. I mean, this is a this, <laughs> this, this is a crazy. The Blazers take. have been. We've heard a hot take. No, the Blazers have been a pain in the rear end because the Blazers can have games where they make 18 threes. First of all, talk about the Blazers in past tense. No, the the Blazers <laughs> have been a tougher matchup. But now they're done. I get it. My but point what I'm saying is, is the, Blazers the Pelicans would have, a- have shown domination. It's all matchups, baby. Oh, come on. It is? Then, then Fezzik's power ratings are useless. Anyone's power ratings are useless then. Is there anything to what I'm saying about the Pelicans matchup? I, I would say this. And I want to give Fez's take. I think Anthony Davis, and again, listen, some people like Bill Simmons, some don't. I'm, I listen to most, if not all, of his podcasts. Bill Simmons knows the NBA. And what he was talking about this week was the idea that these young, and Dan, Davis is still young, mobile big men actually are the next iteration of things. This idea that there's not going to be any big men I think we're seeing with Embiid, right? Is a, now can these guys do it when they're thirty-two? Who cares right now? Is these big men that can guard the perimeter and also protect the rim? Boy, I, I'm not. Th- I think Draymond Green is is very good against either these lumbering, bumbling big men or against a team if they go small, he's fine at the five. But the idea that he's stopping Anthony Davis, huh, hmm. Guys. Yeah, th- <laughs> I, I agree. I agree with RJ. The analytics oh, guy. Oh, of course. The, the analytics give guys. The, go ahead. Give him the bell. That, of course. Give that I read. Well, uh, uh, say, Brad, mark this down. Mark say, down what I said. The big four is no one else is myth. listening right now. Draymond Green is overrated. He's worth very, very little. Oh, what a nightmare. And if you look at New Orleans right now in terms of a big four, Anthony Davis is just obviously incredible. But Drew Holiday has has appeared as an all-star starter, averaging 20 points a game. He's at that level. And there's something to this playoff rondo. He plays the most unselfish, beautiful basketball. facilitates the alley-oops to Davis and to other players. And they acquired this guy, Miritich, and he's great from the outside, too. This is a solid team. And Miritich is going to be great in the matchup against the Warriors. Come on. 
It will open up the paint for Davis. Well, hold on a second. Are we debating that the Pelicans are going to be favored of the Warriors? Is that how you've segued <laughs> no, 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 no. that debate? The debate is this Portland team that got annihilated by the Pelicans would somehow be a tougher challenge. I would have said entering the playoffs, I would have agreed with you. We're seeing a team awaken. I have no idea if the Pelicans are going to be any good next year. I have no idea if Davis is going to play like this next year. But the way they're playing right now, the Pelicans are much more dangerous than not only the way the Blazers played in the series, but they're more dangerous than what we would have expected against the Blazers. Meaning, how much have you upgraded the Pelicans, Fez? Yeah, so I upgraded the Pelicans two points. They're better now than what I had Portland entering the playoffs. Okay, so, Coach, you said something. You said no one's listening. Well, maybe no one here's listening because we heard and thought you were wrong and started saving the mental energy. But there are people, well, 330 stations coast-to-coast right here on the Fox Network and Sirius 83 listening. So if you want to thank me right now, for helping you out, I'll, sure. I'll listen. You, uh, you guys text me during the series when Draymond Green's getting lit up for thirty three a game. So you're not going to thank me? Okay, I'll take care of it. Yeah. Thanks for enlightening me on this particular subject, RJ. All right, thank bringing you. In, bringing in the big guns. Huh? <laughs> now Stephen A's got it back. I mean, if you um, can't see, and my other point was, I think the Jazz are going to win the series against Oklahoma City, and I think the Jazz are a rough matchup for the Rockets in spots. I'll tell you something that's very underrated: the Jazz home court. That's like a college atmosphere. It's tough playing there. Very, very loud. You can't hear yourself think. And on top of it, it's not going to help to stay two days in altitude and then have to play game four for Oklahoma City. Okay, now let's talk about that. So Utah was at altitude, which during the game, I think most sports fans would say, uh, and anyone that's ever run or whatever played at altitude, the air's thin, got to be in better shape. Obviously, if you get used to it, it actually affects your red blood cell count. And the Olympians, and I'm no authority on this, but they will train at high altitude and sleep in tents to get the low altitude, uh, you know, recovery. So it's 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 a big big factor. You said I, I get during the game. What do you see being the game five consequence or or effect on OKC? Well, it's game four coming up. Okay, and having to. But you were talking about two games at altitude. Having to sleep in altitude and stay there, I think it's a lot easier to just fly in and play the first game. Oftentimes, and have to you you don't get acclimated so much as it starts to have an impact on you if you stay a couple days in altitude. And what impact is that? You're not at your peak efficiency having stayed at 7,000 feet when you're not used to it for for 48 hours, 72 hours. Even once you go back. So first off, is this you just making stuff up? No, game four. We're talking game four. This one does seem weird, though, not to to pile on here because we had a whole discussion during the NFL season about Belichick getting prepped for altitude. Didn't he prep by staying there longer? Yeah, I don't have any idea what Fezzik's saying, so this is one of my jobs. I actually don't know the answer if you stay longer. But I don't – hold on, hold on. I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> so just give me yes or no's, okay? Can you do that? Yes. Okay, there we go. All right. Number one, I'm talking about game five, but let's back up to game four. Is There's two things we can be talking about here. One is, okay, here comes the second game at altitude. They're there for an extended period of time, and that may mean something for game four. That's possible topic one. Possible topic two is they're playing game three and game four, at altitude, they're going to be there for those X number of days, OKC. Okay, then they come back home. 
there's a transition from altitude and there's potentially an effect in game five. So what you said originally, was it about game four or was it about game five? Game four. Okay, you said game five. So now let's forget game five. So what you're saying is playing a first game at altitude, having time to get acclimated and playing a second game at altitude, you think that's worse? Because in theory, what Belichick did with Denver, so let's be very specific, the Patriots had a game in Mexico City, which was at high altitude. They had a game in Denver the week before. So what Belichick did was flew the team to Denver, played the game, stayed at Denver for the week, the theory being acclimate themselves, acclimate themselves to altitude, then go to Mexico City and be ready. Oh, by the way, they dominated that game. Are you saying you disagree with Belichick? I disagree with staying for 48 hours. All these long-distance runners, when they have to run a long-distance race at altitude, they like to fly in, ideally, the night before or even the morning of to get there, really the night before. When you're there for 48 hours, that's kind of the worst time frame. Okay, so it's not. Play. So this is it, right? This is an example where this is art, not science, and Fezzik is known all over the world for how sharp he is. He said it, so let's recap it. Is if they could stay a week, they'd get acclimated. Is if they could stay only a day, they wouldn't have the negative of having to sleep and keep breathing that thin air. Here it's the worst of both. Not enough time to get acclimated, but so long that they're going to be a little rundown and fatigued for this game four. Schedules came out for the 2018 season around the NFL. We'll get RJ's take, Fesick's take on the uh, biggest factoids coming out of that schedule release right here. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Going through the Saturday results, looking ahead to Sunday around the National Basketball Association. All right, where are we now on Russell Westbrook? I think, and we've been talking about this, I think Westbrook is one of the most intense, high-energy, high-effort players in the NBA. In fact, the highest-effort player. But sometimes you can care too much. And Michael Jordan... Most people believe the greatest of all time. He channeled him caring more than anybody into winning. And why was that? Did he know how to channel it better? Did he engender? Did he earn so much respect from his teammates, even though they might have said things to their, you know, their buddies or their significant others about, you know, Michael's too tough on him? Even to this day, you hear almost all respect from his former teammates. So. If you look at Westbrook, one of the most talented players in the world at basketball, and also someone that seemingly the narrative, and Colin Cowherd is one of the drivers of this, but I agree mostly with what Colin says. These It seems like every player that leaves Westbrook gets better, right? So right now, you know, what's the odds this OKC team is intact next year. Right? What's the odds that a key free agent is going to choose to play here? So when West, if you think back, Westbrook said when asked about, you know, you're going to be able to resign, and he's like, you know, winning the title is the greatest argument we could make. Remember, what, the case closed when we won a title. Now, what's he feeling right now? He's feeling like not only are people rightfully 
giving max responsibility to Westbrook for OKC's performance. He's figuring next year's team to a significant degree is going to be dictated by winning this series or not. So with all that pressure, if you had a guy like LeBron who historically can can ramp up into Superman mode and play exceptionally well, and we've seen it a bunch and we saw it in game two, I think Westbrook going from the highest intensity in the NBA to something beyond that has a high chance at disaster. So let me, and again, I don't know for sure, but boy, I would love to have like a chance to bet Utah, let's say minus 17, like a plus 900 or something. Meaning I think the chance of a real blowout here where Westbrook starts shooting bad, starts trying to take over the game and it all just snowballs could really be likely. Well, we have another issue though. And we mentioned this, to start the show, the Westbrook injury is his shoulder, is a shoulder jacked up. Listening to the, the Jazz play-by-play guy, David Locke, speculating on that. Royce Young just uh, tweeted out he's the OKC beat writer. Russell Westbrook was seen getting some treatment in his upper body in the second half, was asked if he's dealing with any kind of injury. He just said a lot of S is going on with my body, but that's everybody right now. I don't think it's everybody. He's been outscored just in a head-to-head matchup, You know, if you're looking at the lead scorers, by Donovan Mitchell, 23-2 to in the last two fourth quarters. He's had two points in the fourth quarter in the last two games. That's not Russell Westbrook right. So, Fezzik, most elite NBA players, when the stakes increase, get better. Do you agree with my theory that Westbrook might be the exception to that? Oh, I absolutely agree. I think it may well be the entire team. The big three went 0 for 14 in the fourth quarter with this team. But why? But here's why that would be. You, Anyone that wasn't the very best athlete in their high school has had, and most people weren't, have situations where they played sport X or Y in which they're not playing particularly well, the best player's on your team, and he's mad, and he's looking over at you, that Westbrook, you know, obviously Westbrook's got another level to that look. And what what do most players do when, you know, you might say, oh, RJ, these are NBA players. It's like, yeah, but relatively, the difference between me and the best player in my high school was very similar to some other player on OKC and Westbrook. There is a big distance in talent, intensity, power within the organization. And it was the same thing with Kobe, right? When Kobe gave that withering glare, usually players didn't play very well after that. So it feels like if things snowball against Westbrook, it actually becomes contagious to the rest of the team. I think that's a great point. You have that wide open three, and you're thinking to yourself, this is the only three I'm going to get to shoot in the fourth quarter. I'm going to get the stink and I better I make miss. it. Or, or, yes, exactly. Straight out of Vegas, Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to Geico 15 minutes ago. So let's turn our attention to the schedule release around the National Football League. One of the best things you guys mentioned last year, and you were on it right from the get-go, Dolphins fatigue because of travel. You were ahead of that. They went to London, got destroyed by the Ravens. They wound up losing five in a row in the middle of the season, eight of ten to close. No doubt. And Fezzik is, you listen to him talk about the NBA, you think, ah, makes sense. He's an originator. He doesn't work a straight job. But NFL is his strongest suit. And I think what differentiates you, Fez, is you see things that maybe one out of seven of them I think is a little goofy and we debate, 
And I'm not sure if I'm right or wrong. Maybe 50-50 if I'm lucky because NFO is your expertise. But those other six, you're thinking about things that other people aren't, other professionals aren't. Give me an example of what you saw, one or two things, let's go one at a time, in the schedule that you think, ah, that's an advantage or, ah, that's a disadvantage. The first thing I look at, RJ, is these games in London. You don't want a home game in London. You don't want a game in London, period, because of all the travel. There's only three games. Seattle at Oakland. Oakland's the home team. Big disadvantage for Oakland. Phillies at Jacksonville. Normally this would be really bad, but Jacksonville's home field in London might be bigger than in Jacksonville. Still really bad for the travel. And the reason for that is the crowd has gotten behind them and they're familiar. Jacksonville is with an unfamiliar trip. Absolutely. And finally, Tennessee is at the Chargers in London. So both the Chargers and Oakland, California teams going to London for home games. Very negative. Okay, a couple things here. Why home away? That designation? What does that matter? The locker room in London? No. What matters is, if you're the home team, you lose a home game. So you're playing, instead of an eighth home game, a ninth road game, and it's the worst road game of all. Because as Fed said, even if it's a road game for you, it's a disadvantage because it's such a long trip. Sightseeing, you're there longer. And most teams take a bye after. So you're wasting that rest week recovering from the European trip. And some teams recently haven't been taking a bye. And that hasn't worked out for them. So number one, teams that are playing a home game in London, which sounds ludicrous, big disadvantage. Okay. You mentioned Seattle, and you said, oh, yeah, they're the road team, so not so bad. Remember, though, the shortest trip they take is to Oakland. And now you it literally was, I think, about 800 miles. I remember reading where that's – because Seattle has more travel – than any team tucked up there. You know, we all think, you know, to the left and high. But if you look at the distance from out, you get a map that's at scale and you look at the distance from LA to San Fran and then look from San Fran to Seattle, it's like, wowza, that's a long way up there. I don't go up there, but it's a long way up there. And <laughs> just out of principle. But so the every eighth year, they get that short trip to Oakland as one of their road games. So now you're trading 800 miles trip. For four thousand mile trip for a team that travels more than any other team anyway, I think around that trip for Seattle is going to be some potential to find some really tough spots for the Seahawks. Along the lines of the uh, Dolphins point I was making, you found uh, rest differential issues with the Colts. Yeah, but remember the NFL is getting short. Listen, the more analytics are out there, the more smart leagues are taking advantage of them. Last year, the New York Giants were minus 22 days of rest relative to their opponents. Think about that. 16 games in a season. So more than, on average, one extra day of rest for their opponent every freaking game. Big disadvantage. So as we think about Giants, are they really the second-worst team? That's one example where they had a major disadvantage. This year, the worst team, the Colts, minus 11 days. So yes, significant. Yes, give the Colts a little demerit, but the NFL has made a real effort here to make these uh, disparities in rest smaller and smaller. One last thing. I love if an NFL team has a home game on Thursday. I dislike, you agree, Fess? 
I dislike if it's a road game because the biggest home field advantage in the NFL is the Thursday home team because the percentage of time that travel takes up for that road team is such a big percentage of the overall prep time. Especially if your opponent has significant travel. Do we have an issue at Alabama? I want to get to a little college football on the way back. Jalen Hurts, is he going to be there to start the quarterback? He's going to be there to start the 2018 season. Uh, we'll get to that, but first, Ralph Irvin with the latest. Well, thank you very much, gentlemen, and there was a gruesome twosome in the Big Easy. Holiday holding angle left. Works left of a Davis screen. Goes baseline, comes out right side of the lane. Pump fake, shoots underneath the menu. No, don't follow. Two-hand flush by Anthony Davis. Are you not entertained? Woo! WRNO 99.5 FM and the Pelicans Radio Network with the call as Anthony Davis scored 47. Drew Holiday added 41. And New Orleans won a 31-123 win over Portland. The Pelicans sweep the Blazers four games to none. Philadelphia had seven players in double figures. They won in Miami 106-102. Sixers lead the series 3-1. Minnesota, three players scored over 20 in their return to the Twin Cities. They beat Houston 121-105. And in the Saturday night finale, all five starters scored in double figures as Utah rolled at home, beating Oklahoma City 115-102. The Jazz lead the series two games to one. On the Diamonds, Oakland's Sean Manea tossed his first career no-hitter. Oakland blanked Boston 3-0. And of course, gentlemen, Thursday night is the NFL Draft. And right now, the favorite prop pick at number one would be Sam Darnold at minus 175. Josh Allen follows at plus 140. Saquon Barkley at plus 600. Then you have Baker Mayfield and Josh Rosen sitting at plus 1,000 and plus 1,200 respectively. Ralph, thank you. My favorite draft prop is actually Jay Glazer, 32 for 32. The yes is minus infinity. He's going to nail it. Ex- Again. Except, and I wonder if this applies, I read recently, because what we saw Glazer do, which is amazing, is he beat last year, my understanding is, every number one pick before it went out on TV on his Twitter. But I, I read recently, just in the last couple of days, that the, all the different media organizations covering have uh, agreed to embargo, I guess would be the word, uh, any of those tweets before. So we'll see. It's going to be, it's almost like an anticipation to see what Glazer does. Can he do it again this year? Go 32 for 32. For the best draft coverage, you can tune into Fox Sports Radio Thursday night. Glazer with Joel Klatt, Chris Spielman, Kurt Menefee, live at AT AT&T Stadium in Texas. It's Thursday night. You can hear it on Fox Sports Radio, iHeart, Radio app as well, 8 o'clock Eastern, and it is the very best. I can attest to that. Draft coverage on radio during the first round of the NFL draft. Now, here's what I'm reading is that Glazer is not going to be releasing all of the picks early on Twitter. Mm. But they can't stop him from doing radio. If TV's behind radio, oh well. There you go. Now, what this reminds me of, Ralph, because let's be candid we have Ralph converted. Whatever amount of love of gambling before straight out of Vegas, there's a very different amount of love right now. And we're counting cards. The fact of the matter, <laughs> the fact of the matter is, he reminded me of something. We teased it last night, Cofield. We can't go without it, and it's going to be quick. I have a conspiracy theory on that number one pick. All right, Mr. Colin Cowherd, right here, Fox Sports Radio. Uh, he and I have done. Uh, many segments and uh, podcasts over the years and continue to do so. I am a big fan of Collins. He is plugged in somehow, some way. And and I'm going by as a listener, no inside info here with Sam Darnold, the organization, 
you know, I don't know if it's the lawyers, the dad, I don't know, but he's plugged in. Last week, he's been doing his mock draft, first time ever. Last week, unexplained, he moves Darnold to two and Josh Allen to one in his mock draft. Now, Christine says, well, why'd you do that? And he's like, well, there's this guy in the NFL Network, a guy I had never heard of, doesn't mean he's not sharp, and he moved Josh Allen to one, so I'm moving him. Come on. Colin's not moving Josh Allen to one because some guy on the NFL Network did. It's cover. It's Here's my conspiracy theory. It's cover. He has inside info that he doesn't want to say he has. And again, I have no inside info on this. This is me as a listener. He has inside info is my speculation. And he hears from the Darnold camp is what I'm guessing. They're not going one. Cleveland's not picking them. He moves Josh Allen to one so he can look super sharp and actually hedge out of all the all the love of Sam Darnold. There's no other reason he moves Allen to one. What do you think, Cofield? Kuyper's with him now. Actually, Kuyper was with him a few weeks ago. Peter King. I don't know if Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network is the guy that you're referencing. And also, Lewis Riddick also said it this week on that uh, new ESPN show, Get Up. So a lot of the big draft Knicks are saying Except Josh what, Allen, what are the odds say? The odds still have Darnold as the favorite. Big favorite. I mean, minus 175 is big. So Don't you think it's switch? Is it going to switch on Monday or Tuesday? Is that is that going to be the telltale sign? Because of this? Yes, because because you just laid out the conspiracy theory. <laughs> I mean, you I, have just altered the entire betting market. 330 stations, right? <laughs> I mean, where else are you going to do it? Yes. Don't, don't you have Allen plus 600, RJ, in a bet? I Well, we're going to go check the tape. Cofield's begging off that bet. But the fact you say that... Uh-huh. Let's get to the SEC. <laughs> all right. So, uh, first of all, top of the SEC. Do I have to worry? laugh like, yeah, hmm, let's hope no one brings this up again. <laughs> I, I know uh, I've said Josh Allen I thought would be the number one pick for uh, probably a year, so I don't remember saying that. That 6-1 to one was a bad bet. News on Alabama. So, we got – it's uh, two-pronged here. Jalen Hurts, his dad came out this week and said, hey, he doesn't get the job. He's going to be the best free agent on the market. If he doesn't get that Alabama quarterback job, he's going to be a free agent. Tonga Bailoa is injured. Hertz goes out today in the spring game, does not play well. Do I have to worry at all about Alabama? Should I be fading Alabama? I'm not saying, well, actually, you know what? I will ask it, even to win the division. Oh, absolutely not. Look it, at you. Okay. I mean, Alabama, it, look, Tua Tonga Viola, I mean, look at the betting markets. It's saying Tua's clear cut going to be the starter, 6-1. to one. And in some spots, as the Heisman favorite, Jalen Hurts down at the sixty to one, seventy to one range, not concerned. If so you I'm don't Alabama. care if they have a great or a good backup. Well, I mean, obviously you got to downgrade Alabama, uh, maybe a half a point. Okay, but does I mean, how much does that uh, affect Alabama on a game by game basis? It certainly doesn't affect them in the SEC West. Could it affect them possibly if a Tua? in the SEC championship games less than 100% against the Georgia, then maybe. But like, not in the 12-game regular I season. I like Tua, but Jalen Hurts, 26-2 and as a starter. I don't think you just blow that off. Well, to me, Alabama's one of the few teams in the country that backup means a lot because, and Brad, you're the expert, but here would be my theory on this. Most teams, maybe Alabama, maybe Ohio State being the two exceptions in the world, and maybe there's not any other in college, if they go to their backup, they still have a chance to win it. Yep. So if you've got a good backup, even if it's a little bit of a drop-off, 
you got a chance to win it. If it's a gigantic drop-off, you're not going to win it. So we saw it last year, right? Would Bama have won the title without their backup quarterback? No, they wouldn't have. So would you agree in general? I, I agree with you. Backups in general, quarterbacks, uh, even moving a half a point, I think is a lot. But Alabama, Ohio State, maybe one or two other schools, backup quarterbacks mean more because they can still win with a backup. Absolutely. The only two or, There's only two or three schools out there that can win with a backup quarterback, Alabama being one of them. And Ohio State and who else next year? Uh, Georgia and Clemson. Hmm. That's it. Those are the four teams. That's it. All right. Uh, Florida, underrated. And, Why? Well, start. I, I love to buy teams low. And obviously Florida, historically poor performance last year, only winning four games. Flip forward to this year, Florida made an outstanding hire in Dan Mullen. Florida, the most experienced SEC team, out in the at least in the SEC East, 19 returning starters. And it's a good foot for Dan Mullen because he knows the Florida culture there, having already been an offensive coordinator of Florida. And then you look at the schedule. Very, I think, at least advantageous for Florida. They're going to be favored, in my opinion, at least in the early lines that I have projected, in at least eight games. So here you have a team that won four games last year. I am projecting Florida to win or at least double their win total this year, winning eight games. I am buying Florida. If there's a season win total out there, anything at like seven and a half or seven, I'm going over that win total. Quick question. I'm a huge believer in looking at the home away and the way that falls out is so vital. I mean, imagine a team. So let's say with the highest level college teams, home field swings about seven points, meaning with the very best teams, Bama, three and a half. Let's say they're even against someone. We haven't seen that in a long time. Three and a half point favorites at home, three and a half point dogs on the road. If it's against another elite home team. Agree? Totally agree. Like LSU at night back in the day or whatever. Yep. Okay. So a touchdown swing. So Ohio State in a given year, let's just say Penn State, and it's even more so when you don't play every team in the conference. So you look at the Buckeyes last year, and and I think Iowa was the perfect example, right? Iowa had their tough games at home, uh, Michigan being one of them. Yep. And they avoided playing Ohio State until the championship game. Whereas if they play Michigan on the road and play Ohio State anywhere before the championship game, they probably would have had two losses. We can debate the Michigan, but boy, when you're looking at things like winning a conference or making the playoffs, how big of a factor do you account for? Are they missing any teams in their conference that are really good? and or home away versus the best teams they play? It's at least, if not the most important factor, maybe the second most important factor when I'm looking at a team this time of year. And I'm glad you brought it up because obviously George is the favorite in the SECs. But who is Florida going to be battling? Missouri and South Carolina for that number two spot. And who does Florida get at home this year? Both Missouri and South Carolina. That's why I like the Gators to surprise. When people look at future odds, their thought is, oh, this is a stack ranking of how good the teams are. No, it's how good the teams are combined with how easy a path the team has to achieve what you're betting them to achieve. In this case, winning a conference, making the playoffs, the path in college football can vary so much based upon the factor of home away against good teams and the good teams they miss in conference. We're going to go back to the NBA to close out the show. Best bet from Fezzik up next, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, Jonas Knox on the way. R.J. Bell, Steve Cofield, Wise Guys Chairs with Brad Powers and Fezzik. Two best bets. Yeah, usually it's best bet down the home stretch. Now it's best bets 
down the home stretch. I'm going to start Fezzik in the hole, as they say, back in Little League. Is I guess in the hole was the fourth batter, right? So if we had four best bats, it'd be like Smith, Jones, Mackey, and Fezzik in the hole. I thought it was the third. You never play. You never played sports, Fezzik. Come on. Sure. What was the last time you were in an organized sporting event? You were like in like third grade, and it was flag football. Pan American. You went games. home crying. Chess team. <laughs> Here's the first best bet, and I'm going to preface this by saying. Remember the old song, Walk Like an Egyptian? Great song. This is Play Like a Casino. Now that sounds fun. Who doesn't want to bet? Who doesn't want to bet like a casino? Right now, and this shows how heartless I am when it comes to money, is the Vegas Golden Knights. And Cofield, you were talking about this. 15 hours of radio a week here in town you do. And you did what? About You said about half the radio this week was Golden Knights. Yep. It's exploded here. Everyone's in loving it. They're crazy. We got to do it. So my thought is, how can how can I exploit <laughs> the irrational exuberance? And what we have right now are markets with massive liability. The bookies here in Vegas have if the Golden Knights win, and literally this is unequivocal. It will be the biggest loss in the history of the NHL for the Las Vegas bookmakers if the Golden Knights win, because there's a lot of locals about it, and it started out as high. I've heard now 500 to 1. Correct. Okay. So what are they trying to do? They're trying to get money on the no. They want to get money they would win if the Golden Knights actually win. It won't even it out, but they can make it close. Right now, you can bet $5 to win a dollar, minus 500, the Golden Knights will not win it. Talking to my hockey guys, I estimate the Golden Knights odds are about 9 to 1. So I'm laying $5 to win a dollar and something that's only going to happen every ninth time. My plan, I'm going to make a nice jumbo. I'm betting 10 dimes. I'm, I'll tell you guys now, 10,000 to win, 2,000. And you're thinking, oh, that's a bad bet. No. If something's 9 to 1 and you're laying 5 to win 1, that it won't happen, that's you betting like a casino. Your opinion? Love it. Very similar to betting against Tiger and the Masters. We made the same sort of bet. Even better, I think. No, I think the Tiger was at least as good because his odds were... You know, 30, 40 to 1, I think. And what do you lay, 11, 12? 1,200. Best bet time for Fezzik. Celtics plus the points against the Bucks. And here's the thing about Fez. When he makes a best bet, it means he's betting big money on it himself. What are you doing? Why does guy don't carry his money in a wallet? Hey, why does guy carry his money in a roll? Early game tomorrow, Sunday, we're on the Boston Celtics. I'm on the Boston Celtics plus 4.5 at Milwaukee. I get the slightly better team off of a blowout loss. And I got to give RJ some credit here with some trends here as well. Boston is a great road team for the entire year. They've covered approximately two thirds of the time whenever they play on the road and Milwaukee has underachieved at home. They only cover about one third of the time when they play their home games. Additionally, when Boston loses, they cover two thirds of the time in the very next game. A whole lot of reasons to like the Celtics tomorrow. And Stevens, the driver of the bounce back, you think? The yep. fact the Celtics bounce back so well. And what's the line? Uh, plus four and a half for Boston. I would bet that tonight. Very now, what, likely. What was, the th- what was the line in game three? Line in game three was five. Okay. So that zigzag again, the idea of, okay, it's a little bit less, but only the half a point. I love that. I'm going to bet that myself. And by the way, Boston, the best ATS record of any playoff team on the road. And 
Milwaukee, the worst home ATS against a spread record of any playoff team at home. So it's worst against best. Very likely this line drops. Bet the plus four and a half tonight. Quickly, we got a few seconds here. Jason McIntyre, Fox family. I'm a big fan of his. I know him personally. I so disagree with something he said recently. He said if LeBron loses in the first round, it will be one of the, if not the worst loss of his career. I think it's the exact opposite. I don't think there's been a series, a year, where if LeBron lost, people would kind of nod and say, well, what could he do than this year? I'll be interested if it happens to see the way the public responds. Go to Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. Check out the podcast up there. We're back next week, 11 o'clock Pacific on Friday night, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut. Every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more.